0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, March 31st, and this is your FT News Briefing. With more and more people ordered to stay confined to their homes to stop the spread of the coronavirus, many are turning to Amazon for their online shopping needs. We'll take a look at how the e-commerce giant could turn out to be a hero of the outbreak if deliveries stay on track, but only if it does so without pushing employees to take excessive health risks. Meanwhile, employees working for some other private companies are facing dismissal, furloughs and pay cuts. The FT's Rana Faruhar argues that decades of policy favoring the American private sector brought the U.S. economy to where it is today.
1: We've always had a very contentious relationship between labor and employers in this country. But I think, you know, hopefully this is a time to reevaluate that and maybe make some changes and
0: how the insurance industry is preparing for coronavirus-related business claims. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Leaders from around the world have repeatedly ordered citizens to stay at home to stop the spread of coronavirus. And as people are confined to their couches, they've been turning to online resources, such as Amazon, to do most of their shopping. Now, logistics experts say Amazon needs about 270,000 workers to turn up each day to keep its U.S. operations up and running. Two weeks ago, the company said it would be hiring another 100,000 in the U.S. and Europe. But can the company keep its workers safe while they're in warehouses and delivering packages? And what does consumer reliance on Amazon mean for its market power once we return to normal life? Our San Francisco correspondent, Dave Lee, looked into this in his latest for the FT.
2: So Amazon shifted from being this website where you went to buy objects, books and so forth to things that, you know, are really becoming something of a lifeline for many people. I had one person describe it as something like being the new Red Cross in America, which is quite a statement. But, you know, Amazon does seem to be positioning itself to, to see that as the challenge as well.
0: I mean, the new Red Cross is just an incredible way of framing it. And it it must put a ton of pressure on Amazon to function right now. I'm thinking not just getting things to people on time, but also keeping their own employees safe and healthy so they can go about doing their jobs.
2: Yes, I mean, that is the big, big challenge right now. I mean, you have Amazon with this enormous workforce, around 800,000 workers around the world, almost 300,000 in the US alone. And, you know, they're as susceptible to to coronavirus as anyone else. And, you know, they're working in close quarters in in big warehouses, big facilities where there's there's a high turnover of people. And so one of the things Amazon's having to try and do is keep that workforce healthy, keep them coming into work, but of course not putting them in unnecessary danger. Now there's a couple of differing views here about how well Amazon is doing at that. Amazon, you know, they say for their part that they're taking extreme measures, as they put it, to keep places clean and keep workers safe. But I've been talking to some of those workers and, you know, I've been hearing tales of very sort of haphazard methods for cleaning. People saying there aren't enough disinfecting wipes for things like delivery vans, and, you know, I've heard of workers saying that despite guidance from, you know, executives and upper management, that lower management isn't keeping people as separate as they should be, taking into account the guidance to stand around six foot away from each other. So, you know, that there are cases of coronavirus within its workforce that seem to be growing in number. I've been keeping track of these as they've come in and we're up to around, well, at least 25 cases in the US across 13 states in different Amazon facilities and, and whole food market facilities as well. So Dave, what do these
0: infections mean both for the workers and for the business?
2: One of the knock-on effects of these positive diagnoses is that, you know, some workers have been reluctant to come into work. We've, we've seen a walkout in Queens, New York, when a case was discovered in a facility there. What's difficult to see is the extent to which those kind of actions mean delays for packages arriving at, at people's homes. But, you know, people shopping on Amazon recently will have noticed that whereas previously you could order something and it would tell you it would arrive in a day, maybe two days, now some of those estimates Suggests you know, the end of April, early May, uh, other items that are typically always in stock are suddenly not in stock. So there has definitely been a knock-on effect on the efficiency of Amazon's business.
0: Now, if Amazon is able to come through this, it would presumably be huge for the company. But what kind of an effect would it have on some of the concerns regulators and politicians have about the company's market power?
2: I, I think there's two trains of thought on this. You know, on the one hand, you have Amazon now acting as one person I spoke to, put it as a true patriot at this time, you know, helping America, helping its citizens. So that could, you know make Amazon a much more well liked company in the eyes of the public. But the other side of this, of course, is that we could come out of this on the other side and see that it was one company and one company alone, it feels like, having this immense role in in keeping things moving. So that might draw much more attention to Amazon's power. But Amazon does now have the ability to say, well, thank God we are so big because we were able to keep things moving and able to keep people healthy and happy.
0: As the shutdown forces consumers to order online, the brick-and-mortar retailers, which were already under pressure, are taking a hit. Yesterday, several big U.S. chains temporarily fired tens of thousands of retail workers. The department store Macy's was among the group, saying the extended shutdown to stop the spread of COVID-19 was taking a heavy toll on the business. Retail, of course, isn't the only sector for furloughing employees. Many hotel, restaurant, and entertainment businesses have put staff on unpaid leave. But there are other solutions for businesses in a time of crisis. The FT's Rana Faruhar argues that if you look overseas, there might be a better way.
1: I used to be a correspondent in Europe, and one of the models I thought was very effective was the German model of co-determination, of sharing of power between labor, the private sector, and the public sector. It's called the Kurtzweig model in Germany. And essentially, it's a pain sharing. You know, when there's a downturn, German companies, the public sector, and labor representatives come together and kind of figure out who's going to take what pain, you know. Workers take pay cuts, the public sector gives tax breaks, the private sector keeps people on but maybe furloughs them and uses that time to do retraining, re-education, retooling of factories. I think this is something that Americans should really think about. We've we've always had a very contentious relationship between labor and employers in this country, but I think, you know, hopefully this is a time to reevaluate that and maybe make some changes.
0: So Rana, shifting gears a bit, as we look at coronavirus, how did the U.S. economy get to this point?
1: we've all heard of the reagan thatcher revolution in its broadest possible sense this was a turn away from the public sector towards the private sector and you know that pendulum historically swings back and forth and that's natural so if we go way way back to the 1929 market crash and the aftermath you had a lot of public involvement with the state you know you had the new deal you had a lot of industries being bailed out nationalized and so the public sector was really ascendant in some ways through the economy until about the 1970s. At that point, you had the Chicago School of Economic Thought, the idea that privatization was better, the idea that the market would take care of itself, and you had a sort of a diminishment of not only the influence of the public sector, but also the wealth share of the public sector. So one of the things that we're really grappling with now is this huge private debt bubble that is now collapsing. And that debt bubble was created in part because of the unleashing of the private sector in many ways.
0: Now, Rana, you mentioned in your most recent column something called the just-in-time model. Can, Can you explain what that is?
1: Yeah, so the just in time model is the idea that businesses should be able to outsource labor and production and ideas to wherever it is cheapest to make them, essentially. And that tends to be in the US, that has tended to be in overseas markets and in particular in Asia. So you have seen over the last few decades the growth of very, very complex supply chains. But you know, there are disadvantages to that. You get a lot of cost effectiveness, but you also get a sense of fragility now that we're seeing what happens happens when there are emergencies like COVID-19 that make everybody want to go into kind of a hunkering down position. And so what I'm hearing from businesses is that companies of all kinds of all sizes were really reevaluating, okay, is there a cost to cheap? You know, I mean, maybe things are cheaper to produce elsewhere, but maybe eventually you pay for that with the fragility of your supply chain. And I think that that's something that is going to speed up post-COVID.
0: You can read more from Rana's most recent column at ft.com titled 50 Years of U.S. Policy Coming Home to Roost. The extended coronavirus shutdown has raised questions about whether businesses can protect themselves from a pandemic, at least when it comes to business insurance. Tomorrow is April 1st, and in the UK, many insurance contracts are up for renewal. Some insurers have been tightening the terms of their business coverage to explicitly exclude coronavirus. One insurer has introduced a blanket exclusion for any loss relating directly or indirectly to communicable disease. Another has tightened the rules around denial of access coverage to exclude diseases. This applies when a policyholder can't access their business premises. That's happening a lot as people are told to stay home to stop the spread of the virus. Insurers say that the pandemic will cost them as much as a large natural catastrophe, but they also say pandemics have been excluded from standard business interruption coverage for many years. The UK isn't the only country where insurers are reluctant to cover COVID-19. In the US, insurers insist their policies exclude pandemic coverage and say that retroactive amendments would leave the industry insolvent. But state legislators have threatened to force the payment of coronavirus related insurance claims, and members of Congress are debating the need for federal legislation. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Even on a budget,